When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Winning cures everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Good morning. Good morning. It is October the 11th and Sunday. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And this is the College Football Week 6 recap slash reaction show. Uh, we're going to call it the 335 because we're going to have three main topics. We're going to have three kind of medium topics. And then we're going to have five things that we want to make sure that we touch on. And we might toss in an extra point there at the end, something like that. So we'll we'll see exactly how we roll through this. But we, uh, we wanted to do some more podcast-exclusive content. So Chris and I are here to, uh, to discuss exactly what happened in what I like to call Stupid Saturday. Chris, you kind of agree with, the, with that? Sentiment? No, it seemed like a normal Saturday to me. I mean, it, Listen, it, this hey, was I, I kept I kept killing myself because I went 0-3 in our SBR uh, picks column again. I did not go 0-3. I did not. I forgot that I had South Carolina in the column. There you go. And thank God for South Carolina. Well, really, thank God for Vanderbilt. That's yes. that's who I really need to be thanking. Uh, well, one for your LSU Tigers and two for your South Carolina pick. That's I mean, right. Good if it wasn't for Vanderbilt, LSU would be 14th DFL in the SEC. <laughs> Good Lord. Hey, uh, I'll, I'll everybody. Send them a, I'll send them a bottle of Jameson this week. There you go. There you go. All right. So, everybody, go and check out winningcureseverything.com. That is the website. All of our previews, picks, podcasts, videos, social media platforms, etc. Very simple to do. We are live three days a week over there. We are live three days a week over at SBR, Sportsbook Review. So, you can find us, sbrpicks.com slash NCAAF. All of our previews and picks and whatnot for the college football season you can find right over there the SBR YouTube page is where the majority of our content goes up but we also have articles over on the site we got a great team behind us there make sure you check out all of that of course um and make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast just leave a nice five-star review share it out tell your friends about it all that good stuff we are going to be doing more podcast exclusive stuff you can only get it here a lot of people listen that are on the YouTube and the Twitch and the Periscope and the Facebook and all that kind of stuff. But uh, but we want to make sure that we're just doing podcast stuff to get it out immediately right after the uh, the college football weekend. So we will also be doing an NFL reaction show that will be on YouTube and all that good stuff on Mondays. The typical schedule will remain, but we will have two two different shows where we will talk college football, and it will be only on the podcast. So, Chris, let's go ahead and jump into... The first topic of the morning, and I think the biggest game of the day yesterday, was one Nicholas Saban and Lanely Kiffin. I don't think that's actually the name, right? Lanely is not the name. No, but either we, need way. Give him, we need to give him a middle name. Yeah, we got to come up with something good. But yeah. Lane Kiffin, Nick Saban in Oxford last night was an absolute uh, debacle. 63-48, to 48, Alabama ends up winning. Uh, I saw a stat from Roger Sherman last night. At, you you saw this right? Preventative defense. Yeah, <laughs> Ole Miss's yeah. defense prevented forty one total yards of offense tonight. As in, on eleven drives, they allowed nine touchdowns, forced a punt at the forty, and a fumble at the one. If Alabama had gained every possible yard, they would have gained seven hundred and sixty four yards. But instead, they only gained seven twenty three. Uh, and he said, "Here is one that I didn't think was possible. Alabama ran forty three plays on first down." On those plays, they were more likely to pick up another first down or score a touchdown. This happened 22 times. 
than they were to have any play which brought up a second down. That is insane. It was offensive fireworks. It was an explosion. And I think the biggest question that the national media is going to have is what happened to Alabama's defense? And I think that this is just what we are going to have to expect from these <clears> matchups. <throat> Lane knows Nick Saban. He, I, I don't I, think I Lane think, knows. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to stop you right here, Gary. All right. No, no, no. All right. I was, I've been wrong about almost everything this year in college football. All right. Own that. <laughs> Understand that. I get it. I've been wrong. I said when Mike Leach hung 600 yards on my LSU Tigers that don't worry, LSU, he's going to do it to everybody. Well, that was wrong. <laughs> I watched Lane Kiffin that exact same week put up points galore, big play galore on Florida. And I came away from there and said, don't feel bad, Florida. He going to do it to everybody. And I am 100% right. This is not an out. Next week when y'all play Georgia, your defense is going to look worlds better, and it won't yes. be because the ass chew and Nick Saban gives them this week. It'll be because they are playing a lesser caliber offense. Ole Miss is depleted with talent from the uh, the, 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 the the scholarship situation uh, from, from the last two years of probation. Yes. But all of that talent is on defense. They recruited and brought in every scholarship player they could on offense and just didn't know what to do with them. And Lane knows what to do with them. He is going to do this to everyone. I told you every week I've played the over and I've played Ole Miss. I've lost one cover against Ole Miss, and that was in the Florida game. And you hit every over. I don't know that I'm losing another cover, and I'm not losing an over. They're hanging. I said they were going to hang 35 on everybody. Bullshit. They won't play another defense as good as the Alabama defense they played last night the rest of the year. Well, they hanging 40 or 50 on everybody. It, it depends on – I think there are – well, maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I, so, I think that there are teams that can match up a little bit better with Ole Miss. Ole Miss runs – so I, what cracked me up is I see all these tweets about what's wrong with the Alabama defense and da 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 all this kind of stuff. And, and look, it, the bottom line is it was a complete mismatch, and Lane Kiffin exploited every weakness that that defense has. They have trouble guarding the middle of the field. The secondary is incredibly inexperienced, and they're an aggressive defense. So if you're using misdirection and zone runs all the time – like that zone running scheme that the 49ers ran – Last year, this was very similar to that because you you let the defense attack first, and then you hit the hole. Like, you find where the hole is, and you get your guy out in space. And that's what cracked me up is all these pundits talking about, uh, oh, Georgia's coming in with that running game next week, and that offensive line is way better than Ole Miss. It, it wasn't the offensive line for Ole Miss. It wasn't the Miss. offensive line. Like, it was scheming. <laughs> yes. It was play design. I, I, told you, I told you week one when I watched yeah, the you Florida did. game. I said, Gary, I, I don't know if you're watching this game because there were, that was a great opening noon game, oh, yeah. noon slate of games, and you can't have all eyes on everybody. And I had all eyes on that game. And I said, these run designs are the most uh, creative I have ever seen in my life. I've been watching football at a high level for at least 25 years. Oh, yeah. Okay? Not my entire life. There was a long time when I just watched football. I liked the score and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I've been watching it at an intelligent level to where I actually think I know what I'm watching. And I was confused and lost the football multiple times. And I, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen run plays designed this way before. Oh, I, I will tell you this. Uh, it, the game was it's so entertaining to the casual fan. I cannot wait to see uh, what the what the final the rating. rating is. I, uh, my, my wife sat and watched the game with me last and, night. Uh, and all the other games were blowouts. All, yeah. the, the Notre Dame-Florida State game was close for a little bit, and then it pulled away, and then it was boring. Like, they didn't score the entire second half. Like, oh, yeah. It was just whatever. And, the, what the what you were talking about, about that Ole Miss run scheme, though, it, it, that's they focus on that running scheme. So when we talked about you know yes. having an accurate passer and all that good stuff, I talked about Matt Corral being the starting quarterback well before camp started because you absolutely did yeah because he fits he fits what lands do yes and now the other side of this is jeff levy loves to run the football like that's it's part of that spread scheme that they use 
Everybody thinks of spread as just throwing the football all over the place. That's not the case. But, Ole Miss ran the football last night fifty-seven times. They only on. threw it twenty-nine. So, so I'm 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 good friends with a lot of Ole Miss people who have been beaten down and downtrodden their entire life, and I am the hype man for them this year. And I'm trying to get them to believe. I'm trying to get them to understand. And so I'm in like. 10 different group chats with nothing but Ole Miss people. And I'm not Ole Miss people, but, but I'm, I'm the one saying, guys, you're in this game. I believe in this team. So anyway, I'm getting stressed. I'm getting frustrated watching it because the one drive where they ran the ball 11 times over and over and over again, they took the ball, fair catch, got it on the 25 and they ran and ran and ran and ran. And I kept saying, he's setting up for the pass. He's setting up for the pass. And he just, it's just a puncher that keeps showing you the left and hitting you the right and hitting you the right. And you're like, I know the left is coming. And so you're so afraid of the left coming because when it comes, it's going to knock you out. They just punch you out with the right. And I was just like, it was like somebody set tension in a spring. And I, my anxiety, I just wanted them to release the spring. And he never did. It was it was really but here's the he never had to like that that's what he was, didn't have to it was insane to me uh, after a punt with 11 minutes and 10 seconds left in the second quarter Alabama was down 14 to seven um, they held Ole Miss to a punt and then Alabama scored a touchdown on their last eight possessions of the game like Ole Miss once Ole Miss had to try a field goal late in the fourth quarter they cut it to 49 to 45 that was it that was ball game because once you could not keep up. The game was over because you were never going to stop that offense. Like that's why he tried onside kicks. That's why he tried all kinds of different stuff. And at, dude, at, at one point the offense has scored on fourteen straight drives. Now that includes the field goals, but that is just a, a ridiculous number, just yep. ridiculous. So yeah, I mean it, it. It was it was crazy. It was epic. It was. Um, and now my question to you before we move on to another topic here. Is this like is Lane the coach that is going to drive Nick Saban the craziest, and and actually get him to retire earlier than people think he is? Yeah. Okay. I don't know about the retirement bug. He is the he's the one. It won't be uh, Pruitt. It won't be Smart. Now, now those two coaches play Alabama this year. They might be the first to beat him as an assistant. They won't drive him insane because he knows how to play their style of football. They're going to line up and play smash mouth football. That's what they want to do. That's what Nick is very, very comfortable doing. He wants to put the game in a phone booth and beat the hell out of one another. He does not like playing against guys that play like Lane plays. Yeah. Spreading you out. He gets very uncomfortable with that. He was he was one of the biggest proponents of of college football ever going to, uh, like against going to this format. Of yeah, the football. tempo. He, yeah, and then he realized I have to switch to it or I'm going to get left behind. And and who did he bring in to switch to it? He brought Lane in to switch to it. Um, and and I just I just think you're right. This is going to be the thorn in his side where he says. I don't know if I want to deal with this every year. Oh, I can deal with Pruitt. I can deal with, you know, Gus or whoever the hell Auburn brings in year in and year out. I can deal with, I, this guy is going to be a thorn in my side. Let's uh, let me, let me read this before we move on. Um, it's so article from ESPN last night, Alex Scarborough said this, uh, Alabama coach Nick Saban said his defensive struggles had him wondering if Ole Miss knew the Crimson Tide signals during the team's 63-48 victory. So when I first saw this pop up, and we got it in our group chat with the uh, with the Northwestern boys, Westlot Pirates, go, uh, go give them a shout-out. Uh, it says, it seemed like everything we did, they had an answer for, Saban said. I don't know if they had our signals or what. That's not anything unusual. It seemed like every time we called something, they had the best play that they could have had against it. Uh, he added, we didn't do anything well. We didn't stop the run. We gave up some plays on the back end, just didn't play very well. It also says Crimson Tide linebacker Dylan Moses said he definitely believes that Ole Miss had figured out their defensive signals, pointing to head coach Lane Kiffin's knowledge of the program dating back to his time as Alabama offensive coordinator from 2014 to 2016. They had an answer for everything we were lined up in, Moses said. Uh, and it goes on and on about just how poorly the defense played, but... I don't, even if he did know the signals, one, cheers to him for being able to use that to his advantage because there ain't no rule against that. I, like, hey, I, I, I'm gonna, I want to address that part right there. Okay. If, if, if he still knows the signals 
from 2014-2015, that is shame on Alabama. That's a Agreed. Nick Saban thing because y'all have changed over defensive coordinators a couple of times since then. Yes. And the fact that's a Nick thing then. Nick doesn't want to change his signals. He wants to use the same signals year in and year out forever. And how the hell Jeremy Pruitt and Kirby Smart hadn't figured that out, I don't know because they both learned under him, played under him. They should know those damn signals too. Well, but at the same time, they don't necessarily know how to exploit with those signals, right? Like well, Lane because Kiffin, they're not offensive guys. Exactly. They're both defensive morons. That's what they are. <laughs> it, it, I'm telling you, it did look like they had the perfect play call for every situation. Oh, it my was gosh. Unbelievable. It was unbelievable. It's the most enjoyable game I've watched in a long time where Alabama won the football game. I See, and I hate the, the ping pong on grass thing where it's just the back do. and oh, forth. You hate it. But listen, but, you know Nicholas Saban hates it. Oh, absolutely. But I got to tell you, oh. it was it was incredibly entertaining. All right, we spent the most time on that one, but let's go ahead and dive into Red River. Uh, I've got it listed as Red River Restlessness. Texas loses again. Penalties, lack of discipline, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. It, it leads me to wonder, is this the end for Tom Herman? Because... If you cannot beat Oklahoma in a down year, when on earth are you going to do it? And it's not like Oklahoma didn't have their share of problems as well. Spencer Rattler got benched in this game. Both teams lost three turnovers. Texas had 10 penalties for 86 yards. Oklahoma, 11 penalties for 121. Uh, The difference in this game was supposed to be that Texas had the most experienced roster, and they made the same mistakes that an inexperienced Oklahoma did, only at more costly times. It, It doesn't help that Texas had... Zero running game outside of their quarterback. Ellinger, uh, the quarterback, ran 23 times for 112 yards and four touchdowns. Now, that's pretty good, but Oklahoma is down multiple running backs uh, because of transfers, opt-outs, etc. Their third stringer from last year, T.J. Pledger, he was a four-star recruit, but he only had offers from Oklahoma, Nebraska, UCLA, Arizona, and Arizona State. Like He carried the ball 22 times for 131 yards and two touchdowns. He had never scored a touchdown in this in in this season, he he scored one in his career. Before this season, he carried the ball forty times for two hundred forty four yards and one touchdown. This year, he had only run twenty four times for eighty four or eighty eight yards before this game. Like, if you cannot take over Oklahoma in their down season, when are we supposed to believe that that Texas will ever take them over? Like, I think this is kind of the death knell, right? I. I... <sighs> If, if he somehow writes a ship after this game and, you know, basically rolls through the rest of the Big 12, coming out with two losses, I, I, don't, I mean, maybe two-loss team can, can Do we get really into the championship that, game of the Big 12. I don't know. I think it will, probably. I, yes, I think so. But I, Because Everybody's right now we're looking, at, we're, we're looking at Iowa State, possibly, and Oklahoma, as, and Oklahoma State. Oh, Oklahoma State, yes. Yeah, sorry, um, Oklahoma State. So, I, I, I just, man, Herman... That team looked lost. They looked uh, not composed. They it, it just everything went wrong, and it just continues to happen. He's already gone through the situation where he fired his coordinators. Like he brought in two new guys, and it ain't fixing. It. And I understand that we're in 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 pandemic football mode, which is rough, right? Like it's rough for everybody. But man, if you can't get this done now, when on earth are you supposed to get this done? Like, I mean, is there like is there any scenario where you can actually see Texas running the table and only having two losses this year? All right, um, no, no, I don't, I don't, because they they haven't played out. Man, this Iowa State team. I know we're going to get to that game. Yeah. Jesus Christ, that defense looked yeah. really good. Um, here, here's what I'm trying to tell myself about Texas. Maybe. So I had an I had a, an argument a debate with a good friend of ours that is a big time Auburn fan last week when they were just getting their ass whipped. Now I leave people alone when your team's getting your ass whipped because I yeah. want to be left alone. He started the conversation. He texted me four or five times. I finally got involved, and my response to him is the same thing as I would tell Texas fans: Who who are you going to get that's better than him? Because I don't know that a better coach is out there unless you're pulling Urban Meyer. If you want to sell your soul to Urban, that's 
that's kind of the list, right? You're yep. not pulling Saban away. You're not pulling Dabo away. And I don't even know that Dabo would be good anywhere else. I think Dabo's great because he's attached to a school and other coordinators that are elite. Now, well, and, and coaching staff. By God, it took him six years. Like it took yes, Dabo it six took, years. And it took him six years. So if you're not willing to give somebody that kind of time, but also we had this conversation before they hired Herman. Texas has a booster problem where these guys are way too hands-on with the damn program. Oh yeah. And and we assumed to get Herman, they had to agree to be off. I don't know if they are or not. I don't I don't know enough. I'm not in tuned enough into that program to know this, but this might be who you are, guys. Every three to four years, five years, try to be magical, try to do something special, try to make a run, and every year be in conversation with the for the Big Twelve Championship, and 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 that be your expectations. And if if you have a down year, take it as a down year and understand that that's just part of life. Sometimes now, if you have another one that looks like this next year, unacceptable got to be better yeah. um that that would be my response is because yes you want to fire this guy but at some point in time you got to figure out who the hell you hire and it's going to be better than him yeah i i agree with you i agree i also wonder it, it makes me think maybe we've way overhyped sam ellinger like maybe maybe it's not just a tom herman issue maybe this is just a this guy is the leader of your team you know talking about ellinger and, and maybe that's part of the problem. Like, we don't I mean, like they, to think it's hard, so. It's hard to say they're hanging 40 a game up on people, and, and it's Sam's fault. Uh, agreed, agreed. The defense is a major, major issue, right? It, they've got talent on defense. I know that they do. They, the other part of this is, okay, this four- and five-star talent that they've got in there, it's a lot of guys from Texas, and people have been wondering for years, are we – like overselling uh, guys from are are they are oh, they already? It's not just guys from Texas. It's not that's not what we're overselling. The the guys from from college you know, college football podcast talk about this all the time. Pete Pete Thamel is really on top of this, really bad. And and this is this is why I don't give a shit about recruiting because I don't personally know anything about any of these kids. Okay, how many kids are a three star or a two star? But once they were commit to Texas or Oklahoma, they all of a sudden jump up to a four-star yeah. in all these rankings. It's because the ranking system is all bullshit. You're judging 16- and 17-year-olds. Well, You don't know anything about these kids. Yeah, you, you don't know what they're going to develop if, into. If You think if Texas wants them, they have to be a four-star, right? And if Oklahoma or Ohio State wants them, well, now it can't really be a four-star. So our three-star recruit, our you know label, our two-star recruit label is right. And because I I watched it, I watched it happen in the SEC all the time. A shitload of guys go to LSU, my school, and they're all four and five stars. And a bunch of those guys who are pretty close to those guys or better than them go to state, and they're all three stars. And I used to give Dan Mullen just so much credit for turning three stars into four. No, I think he knows how to recognize that guy's just as good as those other dudes. But because he's coming to my school, he ain't getting that extra star. I don't care about that. And 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 I just I don't know, man. I think so much of the recruiting ranking is is such bullshit, which is why you know me and you talk about this all the time. I put zero stock in it. Zero. Yeah, no, no, you certainly do. Now, I I think. I think it's tough to do that um, and and just do it for those bigger schools because at some point your service is is going to be debunked, right? But and no, I, it's, it's, no, it's I, not because because it's not because it's only a few schools that screw you up. When you make them all four and five stars for Alabama or Ohio State or Clemson, you look like a damn genius. And so it's like, well, they've got a hundred kids, three hundred kids between these three schools, and and a hundred kids between the so so twenty five percent I was wrong and seventy five percent I was right on. I I'm a pretty good service. Nobody else is hitting seventy five percent out here. Yeah, that's true. So that you can true. so you can still do it. It it just doesn't matter. It's the systems of these other places are so much better than the system at Texas. And yeah, once that's, again, that's another problem. I don't know how to change your system. I know what LSU is. LSU had a magical year last year. 
my up my opinion and expectation for my school is every four to five years be able to do something special be able to really compete in the sec west f- to play in atlanta and and to win a national championship or compete for a national championship i i think that's the expectation it, not year in and year out now i don't ever want to be dfl which we're pretty damn close to right now we'll get to that <laughs> later but it's 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 texas just have to at some point in time i say this to my auburn friends you have to change your expectations. Yes. Yes. 100%. 100%. You are correct about that. Um, now, before we go further, I do want to say I respect the the 247 guys. I think Barton Simmons and those guys do a fantastic job of actually – they've got a lot of boots on the ground. they got guys that are everywhere, and, and I feel like they do a pretty decent job. You're not going to hit everybody. No. Um, but it, 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 it is – like It's I, mathematically strange, though, when, yes. when you're – when all the kids are wrong on, all go to the same schools. And I don't think they're nefariously doing it. I don't think anybody is trying to do it to boost Texas or anything of that nature. I think it's 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 human nature in biases. I think I think this kid is probably a four star and then he goes to school like Texas and you think, yeah, that confirms my already belief. But if he would have picked a smaller school, maybe they would have scrutinized him a little differently. I don't Maybe. I just think it's human nature. I don't think any of these sites are trying to do anything wrong. No, I think, uh, yeah, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. Let's uh, let's move on to topic number three. We're going to try and knock out the the last bit of this in the next, uh, you know, 20 minutes or so. We spent 25 minutes on the first two topics. But, uh, but let's go ahead and jump into Florida defense having major, major issues at Texas A&M. Look, Kellen Mond through 25 out of 35 for 338 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, the Texas A&M running backs ran 38 times for 205 yards. That was 543 yards total uh, for, for Texas A&M. It is the most yards rushing they have put up on anybody, uh, anybody this year. It is the most yards passing they have put up on anybody this year, and that includes Vanderbilt. They, they could move the ball almost at will, and when you have a defense that allows that, you cannot make mistakes. Florida fumbles the football late in this game, gives A&M an extra possession. They drive it down the field. They kick a 26-yard field goal to win the game, 41-38. to And Florida, who had been skyrocketing up the rankings because everybody was in love with Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts and that, like all these weapons that Florida's got, the issue ain't the offense. The issue is the defense. And, and once you cannot stop somebody, you are just one mistake away from losing a football game. And what cracked me up about this is after the game, Dan Mullen said that the crowd that was in place, which I think is, what is it at A&M? Is it 25% or, or 30%? I don't, is what they I don't said. know what, no. Well, hey, I do know that this is governor a couple of weeks back or maybe a month ago said they could get 50%. Now, I don't think the schools are allowing 50%. But they're allowing but a good a they, good number, yeah. So, and, and yes, there were a ton I, I, of people it's, there. It, it's at minimum 25, but I think there was more than 25%. Now, that thing holds 100,000 people, so 25% would be 25,000. 25, yeah. The math is pretty easy with that, which I like. So, um, Now, Mullen said that that crowd played a significant factor in that loss. He wants his AD and his school to open up the stadium to full capacity because the Florida 90, governor— 90,000 people when LSU yeah. comes in is what he said he wants. <laughs> and And to be fair— the Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, said that he was opening up stadiums for full capacity going forward. It's up to the organization and the schools if they want to do that. But he's like, hey, if you want to do it, have at it. Like, we think that we're in the clear, we're good to go, and you can have people in here if you want to. And I don't think they're going to do that. Scott Strickland, the AD at Florida, said, yo, hold your horses. Like, we're, we're not to that point just yet. Um but I found it funny that Mullen, rather than just accepting blame for this loss, uh, just immediately went to, oh, well, there were other things at play here. It's like, okay, well, in a regular year, yeah, then your offense would have, or your defense would have gotten beat, and maybe it would have been worse. Like, if you're telling us that the crowd is affecting your team's play, that's not uh, an admission that I would want to make. Do you, do you kind of feel no, the same way? Man, this is one of the reasons... I like Dan as a coach. I think Dan is a really good football coach. I have spent a lot of time in the last five, six years making fun of Dan Mullen 
And it ain't because of coach. This guy just says shit that is just like, I don't, I don't understand how you're so good at one thing and you're so bad at others. What? And on the other side, when has when has a crowd ever hurt the the opposing team's defense? Like that's because you're not really yelling when your team. You want your team to be able to hear the snaps and and all yeah, that. Like you're not yelling when your team is on offense. It, it's not when like the they affected. Team is on offense. Yeah, it's not like they affected the the Florida offense. I mean, Trask was twenty three out of thirty two, three hundred twelve yards, four touchdowns. They ran the ball twenty four times for ninety yards, which is about average for them. Like they they don't run the ball well, but like they were able to move the football. They scored thirty eight points in the game. Like I, I don't think that the crowd had much of an effect on their offense. Uh, at all, it was it was the defense that lost them the football game. So I, I think Florida has got major major problems with that defense, and and we can blame it on Grantham if we want to. But here's the thing: they don't have the playmakers on defense right now. They lost some dudes to the NFL last year that are almost irreplaceable. Like C.J. Henderson in that secondary is fan, and he is grading out insanely well in the NFL. I mean, he is the highest graded cornerback rookie. This season so far, yep. you, so you far, lost yeah. Jonathan Grenard. You lost guys last year that you're just not going to be able to replace yet. And you got to you got to get guys to come into that spot. And I I think Grantham's fine, but there's a reason that we had third and Grantham as a phrase in the SEC for years. You know, I <laughs> I, I, I I'm I there's a part of me. So I try. All right, first I am the maniac on the show. I am. I am usually an extreme one way or the other. I'm trying really hard to come to the center and be reasonable. I'm looking across the landscape of college football. I'm looking across the landscape of the SEC. Okay, because that is where the heart of college football is. Sorry, Clemson. Sorry, Ohio State. That's it. Sorry, Texas. Um, what I am seeing is that ain't a defense out there that's playing really good right now. Agreed. Okay. Uh, Clemson, not, Clemson's doing all right, but nah, even Clemson's playing a bunch of cream puffs. Uh, yeah, that's that's let, what let I'm Clemson going. come to the SEC. Ole Miss hanging forty on them. <laughs> Alabama hanging fifty on them. <laughs> Florida hanging fifty on yeah, them. I think, I LSU think you're right. hanging thirty five on them. Okay. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. hanging thirty on you. Now you might beat them. Listen, had this conversation with somebody about LSU last night. All right, listen, there's three schools that we got to play in the next couple of weeks that are going to hang 100 on us. Now, good thing our offense is pretty good, which means we'll only get beat by 25 or 30. But we we won't get the hell beat out of us, okay? that all I don't know is it a – because it's the same in the NFL. I don't know if this is a pandemic thing where offenses are just so much. And this is opposite of what you and I thought was going to happen, yes. right? We thought scoring was going to be down to start the year because we thought defenses have to have an advantage where these offenses aren't able to gel. It's the complete opposite. The offenses have all of the advantage, all of them. And, and, it, and if you really step back and think about it, like it makes sense, right? Because you yes, got we, one. We were just wrong on the logic there. Yeah, the, we were just the off- well, because in the past, that's typically the way that it's been. But the the other side of this is these offenses, the players are so good. And when you are the aggressor, you are the guy that is making the move, and the other side, defense is, in and of itself, reactionary. You have to be able to defend whatever somebody's throwing at you, and they know what their move is going to be, and you have to try and guess it. And and that's tough. That's really tough. There's not a team in the SEC that can play defense right now, sans Georgia. Uh, but has Georgia really been tested yet? I, I don't think so. I, I don't think Tennessee... Tennessee looked good for a half yesterday, and then we saw the real Jarrett Guarantano, and we'll get to him in just a little bit. But yep. uh, but they, every week, every team in this league is liable to be beaten if for no other reason than uh, sometimes you're just going to have off days. Yesterday was such a weird day. Oh, my God, it was such a weird day. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh, Let's go ahead and dive into LSU right quick. Um, now that we're 32 minutes into this thing, but LSU, I mean, that was a debacle. Like there is a, there's a major disaster on the Bayou right now. 
45 to 41 loss to Missouri. And and my question here is, how hard is it to switch from a 3-4 to a 4-3? Now, I know it's really difficult, and I brought this up to you before the season started. You did. Like, and, I, it, and, I, and I didn't think it was going to be anything special at all. I just thought. Well, it's, because it's a know. complete scheme change. Like, it is, it, you're, you're changing every philosophy that you have done. And, and while you may think, oh, well, what's the difference in lining up, you know, four down linemen as opposed to three? Well, the other part of that is you're, you're losing a linebacker when you do that. So, by doing that, it... Your your secondary is put in weird spots. Your linebacker, uh, your linebacker position has to cover a lot more than you would normally think. I mean, it's just a, it, it's a strange, strange situation. Missouri passing, twenty nine out of thirty five for four hundred and six yards and four touchdowns. Larry Roundtree had eighteen carries for one hundred nineteen yards, and and that wasn't all. I mean, they they had thirty three carries for one hundred eighty yards. Uh, and that includes the the quarterback runs that were just trying to get out of the way, like not get sacked, right? Averaged five and a half yards per carry, which is easy to do when your defense is getting blasted in the secondary, right? If they are if they're completing passes deep regularly, the safeties all of a sudden have to drop back, and the linebackers drop back in coverage a little more. You only have four guys up front, and if you've got any kind of a zone running scheme, like we were talking about with Lane Kiffin then you will be able to produce yards on the ground, especially with a guy as talented as Larry Roundtree. I'm surprised that we did not see this from Missouri a little more. I don't think it means that Missouri is very good. It's just what I had told you about uh, when we discussed Missouri is I don't think they're as bad as you think they are. They've got talent. It's just they have been completely shut down at the line of scrimmage by multiple people, and it looks like LSU is not going to be able to do that this year. Um. We on defense, we looked lost, and now, we your, looked. Your text to us yesterday to the group chat where he said this team makes me want to vomit. Yep, I yep. could not stop laughing at that. I, yep. said, oh, I, I said some <laughs> shit yesterday that I'll, I'll say on the podcast if you want. I don't care. But I listen. It, it was pretty awful. It's it's pretty horrible. It's rough. Pretty, pretty yeah. horrible state. Listen, if Jesus is real, he's not happy with me. That's, okay. Hey, I, I, just, I feel it, it, same thing for me last night against Lane Kiffin. Yeah. yeah. Well, but the difference is, is your team was always in that game. My team was not. Uh, At no, no your, point your in time team, did yeah. I feel like we were going to win that game. Even when we were on the line, when I saw we didn't score the touchdown oh. at the very end, I thought they about to stop us. They are ready to play, and we look bored. We look exhausted we look disinterested and i thought both the first and second down play calls look just non-creative or invented at all um the third down call was a good call to a great quarterback or just a quarterback that understands you don't have to put this thing on a rope you just have to get it over that one person that's coming free like you design, you design that play call for that guy to come free and come at you. That's what leaves your tight end wide ass open. But you have to get it over him, you dumb bastard. Do you, hard do you to remember blame, hard to hard to blame the quarterback? I'm sorry. I yeah, shouldn't no, have done no, that. It, it, what, hey, Miles Brennan looked good. I mean, 29 no, out of 48. No, no, that's right. That's like, right. This was not a Miles' fault. That yeah. one play pissed me off because that wins the game for us. Well, but hold, here, here's the other side of this: LSU's rushing attack. 20 carries, 49 yards, average two and a half per carry with only one touchdown. Like, do you remember the Florida game in the swamp that got moved because of the the hurricane and whatnot, where it came down to a goal line stand from Florida? Yep. This is the exact same play calling sequence it felt like. Like yep. it was exactly the same, and I didn't and I didn't believe we would get that in either. Um, he, here's here's my frustration. We went into this game, the first half, at halftime. With a yard of rushing. Yeah. One. That's insane. That should never happen. That's when that's when I knew this game is over. They are whipping our ass. And we are better than them. All those stars on the back of jerseys, we are better than them by leaps and bounds. Okay. And my question is, is all those players on defense have all them damn stars because they chose LSU and all those few stars because they went to Missouri. All right. That's the issue. Do I believe Missouri is great? Do I believe Missouri is about to go on a roll? I do not. I absolutely do not. I think there is a world in which, thanks to Vanderbilt, LSU is only the 13th best team in the SEC. Okay? I, I will tell you this. we, I could have spent $2.3 million better on a lot of other things that would have made our team a lot better than spending on Bo Pelini. And I told you about one of them last night. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I I just, the, all of it, the Bo Pelini hire was weird anyway because he hadn't been a DC. I like since Bo. I, yeah, but he hadn't record, been a defensive coordinator. His record says he should be able to be really good here. Right, right, but he hasn't been a defensive coordinator since 2007. Yeah, but he's like, been a head football coach. Coach Gary, Jesus Christ. That's yes. A, that's not a demotion. No, I understand. He's making significantly more money right now than he was as a head coach at, at Youngstown State. But I, my question was, like, why would you not go get one of these young up-and-coming guys that understands how to defend a spread offense? Because, like, and, and it's not a spread offense like what they face in FCS. FCS typically is triple option, and you throw out a few more pro-style things, this and that. And they, there's, there's teams that run spread but there's not a lot that do it really well. In the SEC, there are teams that do it incredibly well, and you face them every single week. Missouri runs it really well. Eli Drinkwitz is a good coach. Like, he got hired there for a reason. Like, they've got guys. They will be able to take advantage of mismatches. And what they were doing, what Missouri was doing on offense, is exactly what Ole Miss was doing to Alabama, is exactly what Texas A&M was doing to Florida, where they there were just guys on defense that were – Misaligned, that missed assignments. That but hang on. at no point in time was Alabama anywhere close to leaving guys as wide open as at least every big play pass that was down the field. Yeah, somebody they, was within two yards of yes, him. They didn't there let were plays guys get, where two or three receivers were why I mean, nobody within twelve or thirteen yards of them. They, they, How they, the they, hell do you do that? Well, LSU. So their problem right now with their missed assignments is their missed assignments are allowing guys to get behind them. And that's a problem. Like but that's not a major just behind problem. them. They're thirteen yards by. If if that guy is in a different zip code by the time you realize he's gone, we have a problem. Alabama let guys get behind them and said, "Oh shit, he's behind me," and they're right on him. Yeah. Now you still get beat, but you don't get beat for a touchdown. You get beat for a forty-yard play, and you tackle the guy. Yes. Yes. I. I mean, it just it, it was it was a debacle. It was it was embarrassing, as embarrassing of a loss. But I'm going to tell you this, and, and and hear me when I say this: the better team won. Oh yeah, we we there is a world in which LSU doesn't win another game. I'm I'm very curious to see what's going to happen between LSU and, and Florida. Uh, I'm whatever the over I, is. I I'm betting. I don't know what the number is going to open up at today. Take the over. Yeah. There's not a there's not a there's not enough defense on on the field to stop either one of these teams. We're scoring 30, they're scoring 45. Moving on, let's talk about the U not being back. Good gracious, we all just wanted a good game. Now we got it over on ESPN with Alabama uh, Ole Miss. We did not get it with Clemson and in Miami. And I said this on the SBR show yesterday morning. I said Louisville looking as bad as they do and uh, whoever, a uh, Florida State looking as bad as they do, does not make me think good thoughts about Miami. I, I, I just, it made perfect sense that Clemson has been saving up, waiting up for any kind of a challenge, and they were actually going to show up in this game. Trevor Lawrence, 29 out of 41, 292 yards, three touchdowns. He also had eight carries for 34 yards and a touchdown. Travis Etienne, 17 carries, 149 yards, that's 8.8 yards per carry with two touchdowns in this game. They looked dominant. Miami had just over 200 yards of total offense. I think it was like two, 210, something like that. Um, 12 out of 28 passing for De'Aaron King, 121 yards. That's only 4.3 yards per pass. Uh, two interceptions, zero touchdowns. De'Aaron King had 14 carries for 84 yards. But aside from that, uh, I want you to listen to these running back numbers. One carry for eight yards, eight carries for three yards, one carry for zero yards. Their their running backs got nothing, absolutely nothing. nothing. This looked like the Texas game plan. Like it, it's it was it was run Ellinger or run nobody, and and this was run Derek King or run nobody, and yep. it was a debacle. We we still willing to claim uh, 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 Crown uh, Lashley. As, as I, the greatest coming. I will say this. Miami has at least put themselves above the bad teams in the ACC. Okay. Like they, they've at least but moved hang on. that They stuff. should have yeah. never been below the bad teams in the, SC, in the ACC yeah, but, for, but they, but for they like were. 15 years, man. I know, I know, but they were. And, and now they're at least taking that step forward. They were in the same category as Wake Forest and Boston College and Syracuse and NC State for a long, long time, man. And I think that they are better than those teams. Oh, okay. Now. Congratulations. 
Good job. Yes, I know. Good job. Know. But it, it it's still like it it's kind it's mind boggling is what it is. It's just it it floors you a little bit to see, man. There is really not much of a challenger to Clemson. So now everybody turns their sights to early November, and we'll see about Clemson and Notre Dame. But man, the U uh, did not look good. Did not look good. Clemson uh, ended up getting three turnovers from Miami. Uh, Clemson fumbled the ball one time. Trevor Lawrence did lost that one, but uh, but when you win the turnover advantage three to one, you know typically you feel pretty good about yourself. Uh, is Iowa State the best team in the Big Twelve? I'm sticking with no. I'm sticking with Oklahoma State, but I think they're in the conversation. That defense is way better than I thought they were going to be. Thirty-one to fifteen win over Texas Tech, and Texas Tech could not get their offense moving at all under did, Alan Bowman. I did not expect and, a defensive game from Iowa State the way I got it. I didn't see that. This this team has evolved completely since since week one. And in week two, they didn't look great against TCU. Uh, week three against Oklahoma, obviously you put everything you can into that basket, and then you come out and get a big-time win over Texas Tech. Like I, I feel like Texas Tech should have played Henry Columbia the whole game. I mean, he was absolutely the spark that they needed. Alan Bowman looked completely ineffective in this game. Uh, they did not score an offensive point until uh, late, late in the fourth quarter with like four minutes left. I mean, it was just ridiculous. So... Yeah, that's. I'm curious. I'm going to keep an eye on this, of course, because you know I I picked Iowa State to win the Big Twelve, or they're, at least be they're right in the there. conversation. No, yep. no, they're 100 percent in the conversation. Jeez, I think. I mean, I kind of think everybody right now is a live dog in 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 that conference. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree. I mean, good gracious. Uh, let's move on. Let's get back to the SEC right quick. And Tennessee is officially not a contender this year. Uh, and I don't know that we fully expected them to be, and and it all had to do with one thing, and that is the quarterback. They they have to recruit a better quarterback to be uh, to be a contender in this conference. Guarantano is serviceable. He made way too many mistakes to be able to compete with a team like Georgia. Georgia ends up winning forty four to twenty one, and that is after uh, Tennessee went up twenty one to seventeen at the half, and then in the second half it just completely unfolded. Georgia outscored them twenty seven to nothing in the second half. And it's not like it was all offense. I mean, they, they were able to score on defense. On defense. They were able, they were able to, to score on defense. Yeah, they that's, got turnovers. That's what separated this game. Yeah. You had the spread right. You called this game exactly the way you thought it was going to go. And and the only reason it got busted bigger than what it got busted was the defensive scores by Georgia. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. I mean, it just it, – it, once you rattle Guarantano, he yep. can't get out of his own way. Like, it's you, insane to me. All right, now I'm 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 definitely going to be that guy that always makes everything about himself. You know what Tennessee looked like for me? They they look like ten years of less miles at LSU. <laughs> They're a really good football team, man. They're a really good football team. They're a, I said this for a decade. We're a quarterback away, man. We are a quarterback away from being real good and real special, dude. They are a quarterback away from being real good and real special. Oh, a hundred percent. And here's the other side of this is. The offensive line looked great against Georgia's defense early Dude. in the game, and then and then in the second half, it once they realized that their offense was not like it, it didn't matter if they blocked or not, like they were not going to be able to move the football. It, it all completely unraveled. So it wasn't all on Jarrett Guarantano; it was partly on that offensive line as well. Because it's, one of those defensive touchdowns was not it. It was it was not just on him. Uh, but he got sacked, and and it is what it is. So, you know, it was it was kind of a it was kind of a disaster. But either way, sticking in the SEC, and uh, and we'll talk about this for our boy McKinnon, the magical officiating calls return to Jordan Hare Stadium. The magic continues. Auburn gets a win, uh, just based on nothing more than somebody somewhere did not want them to lose, and <laughs> it just blows my mind. Arkansas. Played Auburn straight up this entire ball game, and honestly looked a little bit better than they did. I think for a lot of this ball game, um, and and then of course you have a a Bo Nix, you know, he muffs the uh, the snap for a what do you oh a, a spike? He was trying to spike the football, yes, and he muffs it. Well, then you can't spike it once you muff it. But the issue is that he spiked it backwards. 
yep. which is it was a, a fumble. It was, backwards, it, it was clearly a backwards pass. Yes. It, it well, they, so they their claim was, well, we blew the whistle dead. Well, they have a thing called even if you even if the play is dead, yes. it is called continuance of play. So if yes. you have multiple players from each team where the ball is, you the play will continue. That is reviewable. You can go back and look at that. And they they went back and reviewed, but they they like based it all based on the whistle. And it wasn't what it was supposed to be. It, that should have been a fumble at the end of the game. Arkansas recovered it. It should have been Arkansas winning the game. Instead, Auburn gets to line up for a field goal. They sneak it in the inside of the crossbar, and they win the game 30-28. to 28. Um, It doesn't change my mind about Auburn or Arkansas. I think Arkansas is, uh, is incredibly improved. I think Auburn is way worse than we thought they were. Yep. This is a problem. Yep. This is a major league problem down there, and I, I expected way more from this team. Our Arkansas should have gotten two wins. Arkansas is going to win some football games. Yes. Okay. They're, they're going to win some football games this year. The, I, man, that that hire, that coaching staff, listen, that they they are getting the best out of them that they can. Um, and, and all and, of and, those transfers for Arkansas, by the way, have yeah. they have, I mean, they look fantastic. They hit yes. on every one of them. Everyone well, and this is what I thought Ole Miss should have done on defense, which is go get a bunch of JUCO guys. Go get a bunch of transfer guys so you can compete now because you got no talent there. And they didn't. They just didn't. Arkansas did. And and they brought transfers in on both sides of the ball, and they are they are looking right. Um, Auburn is looking scary. They definitely needed a gift from the gods, and I don't understand that at all. Here's So I want to address one thing. We got to stop with the damn whistles, all right? Quick whistles ruin this game. If a player is not in danger, you do not need to blow your whistle early. You need to let the play play out. Last night, I'll give you one little shot, one shot. Last night, you called, you know, about, about, uh, 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 Najee Harris oh fumbling Najee the one Harris yard. and how the fumble and how it should have been. No, it should not have been. That, that was not a, that was not a that he was absolutely fighting to go forward still. That would have been a super quick whistle. That would have been extreme fuckery, and you know it. And we and we will we, we, we will agree to disagree there because he was moving backwards before they fumble or before the uh but the players player the get moved backwards all the time and then a pile hits them and they move forward four more yards. You can't just the second he goes backwards call him dead. That that <laughs> That's not how the game plays, Gary, and you know that. There was and so I'm no, telling there, you, there's we nobody behind stop. him. There wasn't we, a, anyway. But off of, we're not talking about Najee Harris right now. But, anyway, right? but <laughs> I'm just telling you, we have to stop with the quick whistles. We I, just I have, do oh, agree in the, in the NFL and in college football. Let the damn play play out. If so, now the only time you need a quick whistle is if it's an offsides and the guy's got a clear shot at a at a quarterback. Then you blow the damn whistle and you blow it fast. Okay, yeah. that's a player safety situation. That is the only situation where they need to be quick on the whistle. Other than that, you keep that damn whistle silent. Yes, I, I think I agree. I think I agree. All right, uh, Mike Leach. There are problems in Starkville, and while the first game gave us a false belief that maybe this was a quicker fix than we thought, uh, it may just be that LSU's defense is really bad, and they refuse to adjust against Mississippi State, and now everybody else has figured this thing out. Uh, it either took the SEC three weeks to figure out the, the Mississippi State offense, or the doubters were correct in the offseason and assuming that it would take a while to build the correct roster to run Leach's air raid. Now, I understand that, that Leach's air raid is uh, it, it's easy to implement, and that's perfectly fine. The issue here is that they they cannot run what Leach wants them to run. They just can't do it. And, and, and when you take a team that runs the ball almost 70% of the time, and then you switch it and you want them to throw the ball over 70% of the time, it, the, the passing or the pass blocking schemes are different than run blocking screen, uh, schemes. So the offensive line is going to be different. Um, when it comes to the defense that's actually playing against you, if you are able to get pressure, with three down linemen, you can defend this Leach offense all day long, and they may never score a point. Leach didn't score a point on Kentucky. Here are these stats, and I'm, I'm just going to read this off to you and let you know uh, this is 
the one of the more insane stat lines I've ever seen in my life. Mississippi State, 45 out of 70 passing. Like, they, they benched K.J. Costello at one point. Um, they should have. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He was 36 out of 55 for 232 yards. That's only 4.2 yards per pass. And he threw four interceptions. Zero I was touchdowns. Say, he has to lead the country in, in turnovers, right? Uh, it's it's on up there. It's on up there. I don't know I, the I exact stat. I can't imagine stat, another yeah. player having that many and still starting by this point in time. Now, now they've only played three games, and some of these other guys have played six. So Yeah. Uh, Will Rogers jumped in in backup duty, and he was 9 out of 15 for 43 yards. That's only 2.9 yards per pass, and he threw two interceptions. So the the guys get a little greedy because the only thing that will be open is the underneath stuff. So you can only complete passes for, you know, four or five yards here and there. You can get guys out on slants. You can get guys running curl routes, all that kind of stuff. You can hit those guys, and if you are patient enough, then you can hit them all day long, and you can move the chains. The other side of this is they cannot run the football whatsoever. Kylan Hill had seven carries for 17 yards. Uh, Joe Quaverius Marks had two carries for 12 yards. And then after that, that was it. 14 carries, 20 yards. That's it. 1.4 yards per carry running the football. Now, we don't expect much from from a leech offense as far as running the football, but good gracious. And it's not like the Mississippi State defense played bad. Like, that's what's crazy. They gave up six turnovers in this game and only got beat 24-2 to because the defense played well. Like, the yeah. passing stats for Kentucky, 8 out of 21 passing for 73 yards and one touchdown. Running the football, Kentucky ran 32 times for 84 yards. That's only 2.6 yards per carry, and they had one touchdown that way. I, I've i never seen... They, they had like 157 yards total offense, did Kentucky. And, and they beat Mississippi State by three touchdowns. Like, this is, this is a problem. This is a major league problem for Mississippi State because I don't know, you know, it's not that it's not that Arkansas's bad, it's not that Kentucky's bad, it's that you ain't got a whole lot more opportunities to to get wins in this conference. So yeah, it, this is this ain't looking good for Leach in his first season. Yeah, it's tough. I, I I I'm shocked. I mean, the way they beat the hell out of LSU, I just thought, you know, this team was about to go on a roll and and kind of take over the SEC and. I mean, it was just fool's gold because LSU is just that bad. Yeah, um, the LSU secondary is now atrocious. We, we have to agree, though. This Kentucky defense is really good. Yes, no, right? absolutely, absolutely. But but this Kentucky defense also, you know, gave up a lot of yards to Bo Nix, who who has not looked good, and and they also, you know, it, now well, those are Ole Miss. Different. Schemes. Yeah, Ole Miss skew stats, right? So it, that's that's the problem is yeah. you're comparing them to to the Ole Miss game is is just not comparable with what their offense is doing. Yes, no, you're you're right about that. You are right about that. Uh, so I don't think Kentucky's bad. I think Mississippi State has got some growing pains that they're going to have to go through. And you know, we'll we all thought KJ was going to be the answer there, and he was going to be uh, really special and. Dude, he he. I mean, he's worse than just another guy. How insane is it that he is going to hold the record for passing yards in a game in the SEC for a long, long time, and he may not even last through this season? Well, yeah, and I mean, you're talking about a guy. I mean, eleven interceptions in three games. Yeah, I think I think that's right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the definition of a problem. Uh, yes, it's a major league problem. It is a major league problem. Um, let's go ahead and move into Notre Dame right quick. And now Notre Dame gets the win, but I, I think it's so it was 42 to 26. Notre Dame won and, and they did exactly what we thought they would. They were able to dominate the line of scrimmage. 42 carries for 353 yards rushing. That's 8.4 yards per carry and four touchdowns. It was, it was absurd. Ian Book, 69 out of 25 passing 201 yards, two touchdowns. Notre Dame was incredibly efficient. And, and they got, you know, a double-digit win. It wasn't a spread cover, but to me, the bigger thing that came out of this was, I think Florida State found a quarterback. Uh, Jordan Travis looked pretty good. So, 13 out of 24 passing, 204 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Um, they did bring in James Blackman for, uh, for a series or two. Uh, James Blackman went four out of five for 48 yards. Uh, he was sacked twice for negative nine yards. Uh, but Jordan Travis, uh, on top of the passing yards, 19 carries, 96 yards, one touchdown. 
this kind of fits into what Norvell wants to do. He wants multi like multiple threats. He wants the best athlete on the field uh, yeah. at all times. Like he he wants somebody and and receiver. <coughs> uh, Tamori and Terry was a beast. Nine receptions, 146 yards, one touchdown. Like this team looked pretty good against Notre Dame, and I don't think it was that Notre Dame had rust. I think that schematically, Florida State is figuring some things out. Uh, yep. I, I like the Jordan Travis kid. You you kind of feel the same way? Yeah, I feel the same way. I don't think this is rust at all. I'm not going to give them any excuses. Uh, Florida State hung with them for the first half. They they just did. Um, it was late in the second half when when uh, Notre Dame kind of pulled away right before halftime, and then and then nobody scored after that, and that was just kind of that. Um, I I'm with you. I think Florida State they don't play Clemson this year, right? Uh, uh no no they do. They do. Oh, then never mind. The outside of the Clemson game, there's no reason they should not be better and beat everyone else on their schedule. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. I think I agree. So, I mean, you lose to Notre Dame, you lose to Miami. That's nothing to hang your uh, hang no. your head about. But you know, this is still uh, those teams are just better than you right now. Yes, yes, right now. But that, but that can change. I'll give you this. Change. If if they could replay that Miami game with this Florida State game and get them a couple of uh, games under their belt to to work on some stuff and get comfortable, I would I would take my shot if I was Florida State with Miami a second time around. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I think you're probably right. I mean, it, it's crazy when you see the difference between when you play a good team and a bad team, right? I mean, it's just it, yes. it's crazy. Yes, but I mean, it's also crazy when you see the difference of look how they look with one quarterback and then this exact same roster with another. Yes, if you if you you know pull out one one piece of the puzzle and put a different piece in there, how it just changes everything. Yes. Uh, speaking of changing everything, so let's move into North Carolina and Virginia Tech, which this game did not go the way that I thought it would at uh, all. No, me neither. Um, so Virginia Tech plays two different quarterbacks: Hendon Hooker, seven out of thirteen, hundred thirty-six yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Braxton Burmeister, 7 out of 15, 79 yards. Neither threw an interception. Uh, Khalil Herbert ran 18 times for 138 yards. They they ended up 48 carries for 260 yards and four touchdowns for Virginia Tech. And and they got beat by two scores. You you put up 45 points on the road and you lose by two scores. It, that's the kind of world that we're living in right now. Sam Howell, 18 out of 23, 257 yards with three touchdowns. And he wasn't even the story of the game. The story of the game was North Carolina's rushing attack absolutely ate up Virginia Tech's defense. Now, this was Justin Hamilton's debut as defensive coordinator. He was out for the first two games yep. uh, due to COVID and, and contact trade, all that kind of stuff. So he was not able to be in the stadium calling the games. He called this game, and North Carolina had 43 carries for 399 yards they averaged 9.3 yards every time they touched the football, had five rushing touchdowns and three passing touchdowns, and it was a debacle. And the fact that the Virginia Tech offense was able to stay in the game with this, I I thought was pretty commendable. I mean, this was, this was pretty crazy, but I, I'm curious if this is, like, do we take anything away from this, or was this just a weird game? Because I know Virginia Tech had three starters out for this game due to COVID. They had 15 depth players out for this game due to COVID. Their two starting safeties um, were out for this one, and and they got cornerback like their their two starting cornerbacks back, but it the secondary wasn't what cost them in this spot. It, it was not the secondary. This was this was the line. This was missed assignments. This I mean, you every time you turned around, you had North Carolina guys just running wide open. Uh, North, I don't know if I North, should take anything from this. I, I mean, it's hard. I'm North Carolina's offensive line dominated this football game. This game was won in the trenches by North Carolina from off the side of the ball. They did anything they wanted to do. When you're able to push around, when your offensive line can push around another defense, a defensive front seven, the way they did, you can run, you can pass, you can do anything you want. There's no play you can't call, and there's nothing the secondary can do. The best secondary in the world needs some type of pressure, some type of push, because the way the offensive uh, the rules are written and benefit the offense. It is just too hard to cover for too long, which is why big open plays opened up for them. But 
they didn't need a lot of those big plays because they were able to just smash it down their throat. Yes. I mean, it was it was unbelievable to watch. Unbelievable. But I don't know that it's going to lead to anything else for the rest of the season. Like, No, I don't, I don't know that they can play that way every week. Yeah. I, you know, it could and I don't know that... Where, I don't think Virginia Tech will be dominated like that every week. No, I don't either. But I also don't know that, I mean, like I said, outside of a few teams in the ACC, none of them have the ability to do what North Carolina just did. That is true. That is very, very true. All right, I want to close out with this, and we'll uh, we'll try and do like a little extra point here and there. Uh, this one, Pitt lost 31-30 to at Boston College in overtime. It sums up pandemic football perfectly, absolutely perfectly. Kicker Alex Cressman hit a 58-yard bomb to send the game to overtime, and then he lost the game on a missed PAT. Like, there are going to be plays that give you hope and make you feel good about it, that you're going to be, you know, yay, Rob, whatever for. And then there will also be just as many plays that make you want to pull your damn hair out. And it's going to be like this all season. You, you agree with this? Yeah. Yep, that sounds exactly like how 2020 football is going to go. A stupid Saturday was incredibly stupid. I mean, it, <laughs> it was so dumb. And people, of course, have, have looked at, at my Twitter account and been like, it, look, it's just like any other weekend. And no, this was not like any other weekend. This was insane. This this Saturday was as crazy as, as I can remember, and it was just stuff all over the board. It was, it was nuts. It was absolutely nuts. It, and I think that we're going to get more of these – as the season progresses, um, I think I think it's going to be a disaster. It's going to be a complete shit show. <laughs> I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I like the chaos. I thrive on the chaos, man. All right, is there anything else we need to hit? I think we covered it all, brother. All right, you guys, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. Don't forget, we also go live on the YouTube channel, uh, Periscope, Twitch, and Facebook. You can find all that over at winningcureseverything.com. Make sure you leave a nice five-star review over on the Apple Podcast and that you leave a written review over there. We would definitely appreciate that. We're trying to boost the podcast a little bit. We're going to make some of these uh, podcast exclusives. These reaction shows are going to be podcast only, and then our college football kind of preview, our little quick preview, uh, is also going to be podcast exclusive. So make sure you are subscribed to the podcast, of course. Tell your friends about the show. Make sure you get all of our other college football content over at sbrpicks.com slash NCAAF, and... Uh, and on the SBR YouTube page. You can search for it on YouTube. SBR Picks is where you will find it. Very, very simple stuff. All right, Chris, I believe that will do it. Um, anything would, that you would like to say before we leave? No, no I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> my, my Tigers are a disaster. Yeah, you know what? I think they'll get better. I think they'll get better. I just the closed my eyes, better. and I remember Joseph Burrow in hey, my that's, life. That's all you got to do. You had the dream Dave, season Dave last Aranda. year. Dave Aranda. Just dream of him. <laughs> Well, we get Baylor next week, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right. You guys have been fantastic. Thank you for listening to the show. Again, share it out. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And we'll see you again next time. Thanks for checking out Winning Cures Everything. If you want to keep up with us, hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Visit the website at winningcureseverything.com. Or you can like us on Facebook or follow us at Winning Cures, at Gary WCE, or at Chris B. Giannini on Twitter. Share out the show, leave a nice review, and make sure to comment and tweet at us. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.